0: Hello, what is up, and welcome to Off the Books, where we're surfing the uncharted waters of accounting, of finance, and wherever else those waves take us. I'm Drew Dubner. I am your host. I am not an accountant, but I like asking questions of people who are, so finance professionals can do their jobs better. We are back with episode two of our conversation with Ben Taylor of SoftLedger. You know, over the last week or so, we've been having a discussion here in the Off the Books beach. Steve's been having a hard time wrapping his head around some of this crypto stuff. And, you know, Steve, you might be better at asking this question than me. Sure.
1: Well, it won't come as a surprise to anybody that I'm having a hard time wrapping my, my my head around this. Ben, glad to have you back, by the way. Thank you. I'm just trying to I'm, I'm asking myself as I was thinking about our previous conversation. At what point does it really matter that theoretically you could have a cryptocurrency that doesn't tie back to anything in the real world, no physical, tangible asset that people would care about. I'm just, why is that not a big deal? And and and, and why doesn't that seem to be a concern uh, to some of the crypto enthusiasts that certainly, you know, you interact with, I would assume on a pretty regular basis?
2: Yeah, great question. And that, that is the, the billion dollar question. <laughs> it's, uh, uh, it's one that comes up a lot. And, uh, you know, what really makes a thing that's that's a digital representation, valuable. Uh, and f- for Bitcoin, there's been a lot of parallels people make to, to gold, because you know gold is scarce. Why is gold valuable? We've just agreed that it's valuable because the and and then there's a limited supply of it, so that you know that has some elements to it that make it so that um, you know it's it's it can be used as money. Um, of course, in that same vein, because it's you know, there's no treasury function to it. the The price can kind of fluctuate up and down, and so uh, that's a you know a counter to that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it, it's it's been around for long enough. Enough enough people have agreed that it's it's valuable, and so you know, how does that how does that go down to zero in value? You know, for the long term, if it's already being transacted, it's already in various folks' hands. I mean, you can start to go down the list of what potential problems there could be, and um, and there's a lot to to read up on. Here is you know, if, what, are there problems with the network? Could that could that go down? You know, what happens hundred years from now? Is will this still be able to continue? What if there's um, you know, a whole country shuts down that their Bitcoin mining operations, and and so you could really go deep down the rabbit hole with it. But um, yeah, it's de- it's definitely a question. But uh, yeah, par- part of part of that. That what we discussed last time about no no government being directly involved and that being distributed that's really um, what gets people excited is is you have this thing that is kind of it's all over the world and and no single government really can shut it down and so that's what really gets is one of the big things that gets people really excited.
1: Effectively saying, Ben, that because nobody controls it because it is scarce, no single person can shut it down. Mm-hmm. we see that as being a great medium of exchange because of that it by itself has intrinsic value i mean again to summarize it all up is that is, would you agree with that statement
2: uh yeah yeah it's i'd say so i think that's that that pretty much encapsulates it um it, it's also i that, i i just remembered another thing that uh might be relevant here is it's because of all those things it's it actually ends up being a pretty good hedge against mm-hmm. other things that are Really tied to gov- various governments, um, and so that's that's what it's it's often talked about as a hedge. Just there's this thing that's kind of operating independently. It's not it hasn't really been moving that way um, yet. It kind of tracks a little bit with the stock you know with the stock market. It's it's broken away a little bit, but it is a little bit of a hedge too because of that.
0: So I want to loop back to something you mentioned before: Bitcoin mining. This is something I've heard of, but I guess I don't really know much about it.
2: Oh sure, yeah. So. Um, essentially a, a, pro, a processor has to solve a very complex math problem. And then if it does, it's in a bunch, there's, they're all over the world, lots of processing power, these various processes trying to do this. Um, uh, and they call them miners. They're very specific to mining the Bitcoin algorithm. If they, if they um, solve it, then they get awarded with a Bitcoin. And so that's um, both how new co- new coins are, mind um and that's also how transactions are processed too and so um it's kind of like as soon as that happens um or any transaction happens um that they're batched somewhat so uh, it's not like one per transaction but uh the ledger is updated and so every uh, everything on the network can can see okay this is the new this is the longest version of the ledger this is the new one we all agree on it and then move on so um yeah the mining is kind of it's like it's both uh minting new new bitcoin or discovering new bitcoin by solving this problem and also processing transactions
0: and that ledger is auditable right you can look back and see oh person a did this person b did that and you can kind of follow the the history of the the bitcoin all the way back
2: exactly yeah and that's that's one of the reasons that auditors are uh, are so interested in it. Because it's if if you if you did it on, if you transacted on there and your address is known, it's just available for anyone that knows how to look to find it, to find out mm-hmm. that you were involved. Yep.
1: Interesting. So in my mm-hmm. head, I have this picture of these little nano miners mining zeros and ones until finally they solve the problem, I guess as it were. Mm-hmm. Suddenly the ledger gets updated because that solution to a problem became a Bitcoin. And then mm-hmm. whatever happens to that Bitcoin, whether it's its initial issuance or subsequent trading, all is recorded on the ledger. So in theory, that distributed ledger becomes almost like a timeline or a history of everything that has happened to every single Bitcoin since mm-hmm. it was originally mined or issued. I mean, is that, is that correct?
2: Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, it, the, the one thing being you do need to know who the wallet address belongs to. Um, and so that's, if you don't know, then you can see that it moved around and you can start to do some analysis, uh, on that. But, um, there are ways if you're being very careful or, you know, unfortunately engaged in shady activities, uh, to, to figure out how to, how to make it unclear that, that you're associated with a transaction.
1: Well, I guess that's the thing that's interesting because I hear people talk about how transparent, and, and and an auditable the 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 blockchain is, which based on how we just described it makes sense. But then I I keep I, I've always gone back to what you just described, which is to say, well, look, if you don't know the I you know if you don't know the person, you don't know what wallet it's coming from, then it's actually very obscure. It's actually not transparent at all. How do we reconcile those 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 two I guess extreme, um you know sides of this argument about the transparency? of the blockchain then
2: that's, it's a, that's a great question. I think that's, that's one of the reasons why uh, regulators are having so much trouble with this is because you, if you really are deliberate about it and you know what you're doing, you can make your, your transactions um, uh, uh, anonymous. So, you know they're stored but if you're if you're careful you go through the process of of mixing up your transaction through a number of different hops to different wallets um it's going to be really tough to figure out what happened um and so yeah that's it's it seems like it seems like what the end state of this is 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 there's going to be requirements for getting into and out of the normal banking world from some of these blockchains where you could theoretically you don't know what what happened prior to that money uh, uh, reaching uh, you could call it on on or an off ramp in that case as well. Uh, so um, there's I- I've seen some some tools around verifying you know maybe a, a sh- you you have a wallet address where where it, it's it's being it's being like continuously audited so you, you you know okay I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna make sure every transaction that goes through here we have some source data to go with it and say that it's good. And, and maybe if, if you're transacting with that wallet address and you have it in this system where you're providing enough contextual information to, to show what each transaction is, maybe you can use that to, as you know, to, to bridge the gap, but it's, it's definitely something that has not been, not been resolved yet. And I think that's a good place to press pause. Ben, Steve, stay
0: put those of you at home also stay put. We'll be back in a second. Here's a commercial. This episode of Off the Books is brought to you by Workiva. Do you remember 1985? I do not, as I was not alive, dear listener. It was a year of New Coke and hair metal. It was also the year the original Super Mario Brothers came out, and it was the year that Microsoft Excel was released. Video games have evolved really, really dramatically since 1985, and so has business. But Excel is roughly the same. Maybe you are mentally connecting dots here. My point is this. Why are you still using software from 1985 for businesses staffed and created by people born after that? It just don't make sense. Introducing Workiva, With a familiar interface, it feels like Excel but is so much more. Centralize all your vital reporting and risk data in one spot and get rid of those terrible shared drives. This gives you more time to do important stuff like drink new Coke and play video games and listen to Motley Crue yes we're kiva it is the real thing that's w-o-r-k-i-v-a.com slash podcast and welcome back ben a thousand apologies i never gave you the opportunity to talk about soft ledger soft ledger really assists with this um can you tell more about what soft ledger is and what expertise you bring to the market here
2: oh yeah thanks drew uh no no worries um Yeah, a soft ledger is accounting software built to close on day one. So the first day every month, your books are closed. Um, And so, you know, whereas legacy software providers are are, uh, kind of require your organization to adapt to a rigid structure, we're purpose-built to be flexible and easy to use uh, and connect to other applications. Plus, we solve complexities like Consolidation accounting, foreign currency revaluation, and uh, obviously uh, crypto asset management, which is the reason we're here today.
0: For sure. And I, I imagine accountants are freaked out about this. Uh, yeah. Freaked, freaked out, out about Soft Ledger. No, they're fans <laughs> of SoftLedger. <laughs> no, they're they fans of SoftLedger. They're freaked <laughs> out about Bitcoin and cryptocurrency and all this transparency slash non-transparency of the whole thing.
2: Yeah. Um, I mean, that's that's what we, when we initially... Kind of looked at at we were interested in, in crypto and 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 started getting into it more. We realized the uh, significant accounting need here, and that this this would be something that you you can cut you can get close in a spreadsheet, you can get close with an inventory tracking module, but you can't quite get there um, because you you really need. There's enough complicated things that are just a little bit different than money, just a little bit different than inventory that need to be tracked. Um, so yeah, it's uh definitely uh, countess of the work cut work cut out for them.
1: And how does Soft Ledger do all that? Does it itself rely on the blockchain?
2: Um, so we don't right now hook up to directly to any blockchains. We we have integrations with with exchanges um, where we've standardized how their transactions come through and they can easily come to the system. But we've kind of started from square one where we assume that some of your data is going to be a complete mess and gonna need, or, and maybe a lot of it or all of it uh, need to be uploaded via Excel or um, we have a number of customers using our API to send transactions in. And so the, the system is really designed to categorize a bunch of unstructured information to ultimately produce uh, financial data that is actually useful and, and has uh, audit history and all that.
1: Got it. So, so that complexity of those layers, uh, hence my block FIFO tattoo on my chest, <laughs> b- because SoftLedger <laughs> connects to those exchanges, that's where you're able to kind of calculate some of those values and some of those layers because you have visibility into an exchange that had the values of those transactions at that time. Is that is that correct?
2: Um, uh, somewhat. It's it, We can get... So, it's it's a question on uh, still an open question of where you get the values from. So, if you're trading on a number of exchanges and that's your business, yeah, you should probably pull the values from each exchange. Um, uh, most of our customers are are transacting on a number of different exchanges, not really as like a, a trading strategy, but just as part of their business. And they also have what uh, what are called on-chain transactions, so transactions like. Uh, you know, where Bitcoin mining is involved, or Ethereum, you know, or any of the other blockchains have uh, transactions that actually just occur on that distributed network. Uh, so those, and then there could be a bunch of other transactions too. And so um, one of the things that comes up is, well, what's the price? How do you keep that consistent? And so um, we provide a a weighted average price um, to, for people to use if that uh, if that's helpful to keep things consistent. Usually that that works, but Again, that's that's a open question on, on on when you need to pull price per exchange, at what clip you need to pull that, whether daily is okay in some cases, or it has to be hourly or by the minute, um, and then it's very non-standardized how to actually calculate that price. Um, so, yeah, so it's it's we're still I'd say that's still in a gray area of how how to handle that, and people are just kind of taking their, their best shot at what they think the right approach is. And
1: and Ben, if you think about the future of where this is going, back to that transparency, non-transparency, it would seem to me that the accounting for all of this stuff, and, and really just the value of the blockchain in general, is going to rely on on, on people's ability to get in and extract that information and somehow report on it? I mean, we haven't gotten into it. There's all kinds of things that are are tracked on the blockchain, all of which would be tremendously useful data if you could pull it out and extract it and categorize it and report on it. I realize there's some kind of transparency issues that we've talked about, but is that kind of the long-term game in terms of the blockchain as a a kind of data source for lots of different data and, and potentially a way for SoftLedger to uh, you know be able to kind of use that for a financial and, and other reporting perspective
2: yeah exactly I think you the, the nail mad with it um, you know it's it it's great but a often, often needs more info to, to enrich the data on the blockchain but if you can do that in an effective way I mean it, I think there's a lot of a lot of applications for it um, you know you even heard the term triple entry accounting thrown out there which is kind of a nice buzzwordy thing that you um, Basically, you know, it's often used to say like the blockchain is just going to automate accounting on its own, (laughs) which I think you know we we both know that's probably there's probably some other pieces that are going to be involved in in getting the information to be high quality and uh, and useful. Um, And so that's uh, yeah, I think that there's going to be some combination of of blockchains for various industries, whether that's some of the stuff we've seen like supply chains uh, and other use cases um, that that ultimately data will come off uh, off of those to, to go into uh, another system to form a company's financials.
0: So there'd be different types of blockchains for different industries?
2: Uh, potentially. Yeah. I
0: mean, there's... This is very Marty McFly stuff right now. I know. Yeah.
2: it's. It, I think that's the question. I mean, there's 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 a lot of projects betting on exactly that. Um, and... There's benefits to doing that. And then there's also, um, you know, if you go f- too far down that road and it's just a, a permission system, so there's a number of participants that all just um, agree on this like closed uh, wall system, then you lose some of the benefits of a blockchain. So sometimes you could just use uh, a public blockchain like Bitcoin or Ethereum just as like a uh, like a a uh, assign a way to sign transactions to say, "Okay, this is secure. I know that this is the state of this transaction." Uh, maybe there's just a unique identifier that helps to uh, validate uh, it, an off-chain transaction. In that case, uh, so I think that's still an open question um, on, on how that that it, it will exactly work. I feel like I, I keep on saying it's going to be an op- it's an open question about it. My times,
1: <laughs> a lot of this stuff
2: is <laughs> unresolved. I guess is the the overarching theme.
1: Well, but it's interesting to hear your perspective on how this has clearly evolved and and, and where it's going, because again, I think that, that a lot of people, myself included, still struggle with this concept of everything being completely virtual and just the implications of that, both the obvious, like, hey, if it's not tied to a real asset in the real world, does it have any value? And you've explained why it does. Um, but, but also in terms of the transparency and everything else it, as, as as far as other things getting recorded on the blockchain, like, like grain, for example, you know, grain chain is one company out there, I, I think it's been talked about quite a bit, there's supply chains and other things that you again, you just don't really tie that naturally to something like a distributed ledger. But then you get into it, and you realize, oh, yeah, that technology really does make sense. So I would expect there to be a lot of open questions, because, you know, this is new technology that's continues to evolve.
2: Yeah, exactly. It, it makes sense. Um and, and maybe it's just a it's it's just a question of of these these blockchains being interoperable in a way that makes sense. Um, and some will succeed, some will fail, but the ones that succeed will just have to communicate with each other because you know you're not going to get everyone to use the same blockchain for everything. Now, is there
0: a way to use this for kind of nefarious purposes? I'm not speaking for myself; I'm speaking for a friend.
2: Um. Uh. A- absolutely. <laughs> if you want <laughs> if you want an anonymous transaction, um. There are some options out there, uh, you know. It's 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 tough to track how those are used because they are anonymous. But um, you know, like anything, uh, yeah, this, uh, you, you can you can use yeah you can use this technology for various purposes. But at the same time, you know, you you can use dollars. You know, cash cash is you can use it the same way. It, it doesn't have uh, the ability to as easily send it across borders. But you know. Even even electronically, there's there's been there's been issues there. So, um, I think that that's that's something that the uh, a lot of projects suffered from uh, is, is bad press around around uh, maybe being used for nefarious purposes. In some cases, it was uh, it was valid, but a lot of times the arguments are that you know cash is really it's not exactly uh, <laughs> it's not exactly free from wrongdoing. So, uh, so I think that that's important to consider too. So in Breaking
0: Bad 2, you won't, you know, show up with a suitcase of Bitcoin instead of a suitcase of cash. Is that what you're saying? Right.
2: Yeah. A little like USB drive with uh, with that much Bitcoin <laughs> in, that, in that storage facility it wouldn't have looked quite as good. Yeah. Well,
1: you know, it's it, it's funny when you say that, but so I, I used to work um, as a director of SEC reporting for a, a you know, large global company, one of the first to accept Bitcoin, and I remember us actually talking about that very issue. Hey, wh- where do we keep the Bitcoin? And that seems like a really dumb question but until you realize, <laughs> yeah, Bitcoin could actually be stored on an external hard drive or on a flash drive. And, you know, then it ends up being locked up. In fact, one of the jokes we used to play on the interns was, hey, we need you to go count the Bitcoin. Um, <laughs> it's, it's down in a closet on the third floor. Uh, you know, it's pretty heavy. You know, bring a, bring a hand truck.
0: <laughs> My car is low on blinker fluid.
1: <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> I mean, even on the supply chain stuff, th- that to me seems like such a really cool, neat way that this technology makes sense, right? Like, so, okay, people get sick because there's been some kind of a, a you know contamination of lettuce that was grown in this particular farm at this particular time,
2: mm-hmm. and
1: now because that was recorded on the blockchain. You can really quickly, I mean, almost instantaneously go back, trace it all the way back, say, OK, you know, here's where the, the source of the problem is and then go all the way forward in terms of where it got distributed and where it ended up and what consumers might be impacted. And again, it's not what I just described is very intuitive and it makes sense,
2: mm-hmm. but
1: you don't immediately connect that with how the blockchain or a distributed ledger could be used to do that. I mean, wine is another example. Yep. Um these use cases if you can call it use cases are so fascinating i mean it would be great to dig into that uh a little further and kind of dissect that because i think that would make all of this somewhat high level um abstract concepts become very real to somebody who's trying to understand hey what's up with this technology how does it really work what is it really doing what problems
2: is it actually solving that's a really good point actually so so that's and that's a that's an example where I think this this kind of brings it all together. When I think you, you describe some of these terms, and it's like your eyes blaze over because you're like, what does that actually mean practically? <laughs> but if you, I think if you can understand the the um, what the technology can do and like the limitations of it too, well enough, and then you understand something like supply chains and and how to establish uh, a provenance for a bottle of wine or whatever. Um, and actually track that back, then that's really that's really where this this comes to play. is, is It's not going to be easy, but if you if you now have this thing that uh, that can more easily verify a transaction as it moves through the supply chain, you could probably just you could probably change that that the tech stack for that whole process in a way that. Ultimately, you know, at the end of the what? What do you care? Is is you know, when when someone goes and buys a, a thing of lettuce at the store, they can see exactly where it came from, the timestamp, who packed it. You know, there's a there's a I don't know if there's a barcode on it that with with a, a an iPhone app they could see every everything in the history of that lettuce and see if it it got contaminated and they, they shouldn't um, shouldn't eat it. You know, that's yeah, I think that's that's really interesting. That's one of the yeah you know, one of the cases where I'm I'm um, most interested
0: in. I had never thought about that. That's fascinating. So every episode we close on the closing question of the day. It's a fun, lighthearted way of ending a potentially very heady episode. So Ben, if you had to spend a million dollars in a day, what would you do with it?
2: Oh, man. Uh, asking an accountant about uh, something imaginative. Uh, let's see. <laughs> <laughs> um right now, because I've been stuck in my apartment, uh, just going on a vacation, you know, we, we, uh, uh, my, my wife and I wanted to go on a safari forever. I think going on a really all out, um, you know, just, just nuts, uh, uh, travel day would be, would be awesome.
0: That sounds incredible. Mm-hmm. Steve.
1: Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, Drew, I do have this kind of This sort of picture in my head of a a slightly different version of a Big Bird sweater that I would love to have put together, (laughs) but assuming you're going to ask me for something separate and you're going to think I'm crazy, but if I had a million dollars to spend in a day, I would love to get into a position where every single day of the rest of my life, I could put on a fresh pair of socks that has never been worn and only been washed once. I don't know how much that would actually cost, but I bet I could get it with a million dollars.
0: I think so. I think, you know, how would you know that they've only been, they've never been worn and they've only been washed once? Would you say there's like a a blockchain application here?
1: I think there's (laughs) definitely
0: a sock chain project that I just. (laughs) The
1: sock chain.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. This has been Off the Books. I'm Drew Dubner. Please subscribe. Venmo me $35 worth of Steve coin. Leave a review and tell your buddies if you like the show. Surf's up, and we'll see you on the next wave.